How many of you have seen what's been going on in Texas, the Hurricane Harvey? Insane, unreal. 2005, it was August, the exact same week, but 12 years ago. I was in university and they were sending a bus to help with Hurricane Katrina. And I remember seeing the signs. It cost $250 to go down there. And $250 would cover your transportation, your supplies. It would cover, I think, also like food to go down there. And I saw that I was like, I ain't paying $250 to go help who? What? No, I don't have that type of money. And I was like, I'm not. Even though I looked at the pictures, they were horrific, like horrific. I could not believe it. But I was like, I'm not paying $250. Do not judge me, guys. Like, seriously, you're looking at me like <laughs> you're not Christian. But I was like, I'm not going to spend the money. Like, I just don't really have it. And I don't feel like I should be spending money to help people. That was what I was thinking. Well, three weeks went by. And I was a business major. I have a, I have a bachelor's in marketing. I was walking down the hallway, and a guy stopped me. He's like, Chantal, I have something for you. And I'm like, what? He was like, would you be willing to drop out of school for a semester to work for Hurricane Katrina. I'm starting an organization. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I know how you are in our business classes, and I think you'd be phenomenal. Can you run all the volunteers for us? And I was like, let me think about that for a second. Um, I just got engaged to Pastor Andrew. I <laughs> just got I just got engaged. I was already gone for three months. I had an internship at Florida Hospital, and so I was like, I literally just got back here. And when I actually prayed about it, and God was like, no, you know what? Because you wouldn't pay the $250, I want to send you down there for months. Down there. And so I said, you know what? Just give me a couple days. It's, I was in the States in Michigan, and it was Canadian Thanksgiving. Like, can I go home? I've never missed a Thanksgiving. Can I just go home and see my family? So I went home to Canada for Thanksgiving, and I got back. They flew me out there to, uh, down to Louisiana, paid for my, um, my housing. I managed 120 volunteers from all over the U.S. every week coming down to help with the devastation. And I cannot put into words how horrible the scene was. Like, it was horrible. I literally would walk into, like, um, what do you call it, a subdivision, and all I saw literally was driveways. Everything was sticks, nothing left. I saw wedding dresses in the trees of people. I saw boats. I saw refrigerators. I saw washed out. Literally, you had to be careful where you drive because you, you could literally get a sinking hole in the dirt. It was unreal and I remember thinking I'm like babe like I can't even describe to you what I'm seeing that I had to fly him out I flew him in but you have to come for a couple days because I can't describe how bad it is out there literally I remember helping with a, a baby shower hundreds of moms pregnant have nothing literally nothing and we helped to give people came in from all over giving diapers wipes formulas to help and what was the craziest part was people would come in the bus at nighttime. The kids are all excited to help and serve. And when they would come in the morning, because they would come at night so they can't see nothing. And when they would come in and literally their hearts would be broken. Like, guys, I don't even understand like how you see the, like, the news, but it's bad. Like, literally, when it rained, it would nerve-wrecking because you don't know if the storm was going to come back again. And when I think about that, I'm thinking... God, what, like, I had literally had no compassion for these people because, you know what, it didn't affect my world. It's so easy to have no compassion when it does not affect your word. Easy to look on the screen, easy to be like, oh, that's them in the U.S. As us Canadians looking out over there, right? And God's challenged me that where is your compassion? 
And today I want to talk about compassion. And the text is going to be Matthew 9, 36. I'll start from 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of, of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into harvest. We're in such a generation that we easily can swipe left or right. And what's so funny, Claire uses my phone, and when she'll see, like, she'll be watching Elmo, and she'll see a notification, she, she naturally will swipe up. And I'm like, how did she even know? She's like 19 months, like seriously. But we live in a generation where we're so numb to people's issues and their problems that we, how many times have you seen on Facebook that there's like an accident or someone's passed away and you're just still scrolling? Scrolling. And like, I'm thinking like, I really should have compassion, but I'm just like, I'm looking for someone's like, their Facebook status. Like I'm just not thinking about, yeah, you got an accident, but like I really just need to see the status. Be honest here. When you get the screenshots from your girlfriend, you want to go ahead and check it out for yourself. I get screenshots all the time. Like, did you see it? I'm like, no, I didn't see it. Let me go check this out. But here it says in the beginning part of the text, it says, when he saw the crowd, do you see your crowd? Are you looking at the crowd? Are you looking at your community? Are you looking at the children, your coworkers? Do you see them or are you just scrolling them by just like you do on social media? Are you seeing your crowd? And so my first point today is, curiosity is not the same as compassion. Curiosity is a desire to learn about someone or something. That's what it is. It's just, you're, you're contemplating, you're thinking, you're watching, you're investigating. You're not doing anything, but you're just investigating, you're watching. And the other part is, it's like having a car. I know nothing about cars. Nothing. So when I talk about cars, do not sue me. Do not come after me because I know nothing about cars. But it's like having a car, a parked car. You get in the car, you look at it like, oh, look. It, does, um, it has windshield wipers. You press this. You're curious how the car works. Oh, it has one of those screens that you can, like, when you're reversing, you can see the back screen. But it's not going anywhere. You're just curious. And compassion is not that. It is, it's very different than curiosity. And compassion. Compassion is, the Webster Dictionary says, to suffer together, to feel the misfortune of others. But I want to talk about the Greek. Let's talk about the Greek. You know what the Greek says? That compassion is? Compassion. I'm going to butcher the Greek, so any students out there, husband, please do not get me <laughs> for that. But the Greek word for compassion is splagnizomhi which means to be moved as one's bowels, hence more compassion. The bowels. You know when you have to do a, a little something-something, and you feel it in the bowels? They, it compels you to do something. And the bowels of ourselves is where you have the passionate, when your love comes, you get angry. You know when something happens, you get fear, you feel in the bowels, in the stomach, the lower belly, the butterflies, the deep part of the emotions, the bowels. And so compassion always births action. Always. Always. There's always a release of something when you have compassion. Compassion is not barren. 
Curiosity, you're just thinking about things. You're in a parked car, but when you're in the car, compassion will make you move. It takes you somewhere. It leads you somewhere. But curiosity, this is what curiosity is. You see that homeless person in the corner, you're like, I wonder what they're using that money for. I wonder. Compassion's like, let me drop my toonie in there and let God bless you and keep it moving. <laughs> but curiosity is just like, I wonder if they're going to use it for crack or cocaine. Checking you. You're, not, and you're just checking like, you have, you have no, no, um, you have no thought of actually helping or moving but you're just thinking, you're investigating, you're watching, you're not moving. There's no bowels doing something. There's no release in something. And I think about the verse in Isaiah 49. I'll just move there really quickly. 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion, say compassion, on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget forget you. I don't know how many nursing moms out there who ever had a child, but I've had three kids. I've nursed all three of my kids. And there's this thing called a letdown. It triggers the milk. When a baby cries, your milk comes in and it lets down. And you feel this like, oh, I need to, oh, the baby. It tells you, like, I need to feed the baby. Or even if you hear another baby cry, this is a letdown. And I remember uh, last year when I first had Claire, I had friends come visit, and we went out downtown. It's the first time to Canada, so I literally Claire was like four weeks old. I don't know why I was at the house downtown. She should not be, even though. But me, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not a newbie, right? This is the third one. But I went downtown, and it was about literally going about four hours, and Claire hasn't eaten. And I literally felt the letdown, but I was like, I'm having a good old time with my girlfriend here. And I'm thinking the scripture even though I had the triggered, I was not compassionate to my child that was of my womb. But the Lord says he will not forget. He's compassionate. And I'm just thinking, how many times that we feel the urge to do something and we don't do it? And it's in our place. Like We literally have everything in our hand to do it, but we don't do it. But God says, I will not forget you. I have compassion on you. Praise God that God is not like me. And my second point is, too many Christians are so constipated, they cannot release compassion. And the reason why we're blocked up with insecurity, too worried what people are thinking about us. People are watching us. We're like, you know what? I want to help them, but you know, oh, might judge me for helping this person. We're thinking about ourselves, insecurity. We're blocked up, scared of rejection. Come on. How many of you are scared to help people in the community because you're scared to get rejected? And you know what I'm thinking? Most times, we don't want to help people. We're looking for not just to help people, we're looking for the response of the recipient more than helping people. We're looking for the perfect Instagram pic. I ain't going to lie. I've been there. I I got to keep it 100. Keep it 100. But most times, we're not compassionate. We're not being moved. We're just thinking about ourselves. Insecurity is about yourself. Rejection is about yourself. And we have to be willing as Christians to put ourselves on the line that might take our pride, it might humble us a little bit, to be moved to help other people that need what we need. 
And the other part is, a lot of times we're, we're blocked up, we're constipated with self-interest. I'm the worst about this. We're saving money. We're saving money for the future. We have this two-year plan. We want to buy a house. We want to buy a car. And we're thinking, you know what? Like, I don't really want to help this person right now because like, it's going to mess up my two-year plan. Like, if I give $50 right now, I'm going to be like one month behind in my plan. Are you kidding me right now? Like, seriously. That's how some of us think that. We see every week we have prayer requests, every single week. And I believe that in the house we can help the people that are in need for this prayer request in this house alone. But too many of us are, have our self-interest thinking, you know what, I have a plan. I don't want to give up my two-year. Let me tell you, when I first got married, okay, guys, don't judge me. I'm being really honest up to here today. I was first married. I did the budget, ran the books. I was a firm believer of every dollar has a name. Literally, I did my budget. I knew every single penny where it was going. Come on. And uh, Pastor Angie would come home and was like, you know what? I just feel like I deserve. I want to just get two apple pies for a dollar. I was like, that is not in the budget. I was like, you can't get that. And he was like, but babe, I worked really hard. I'm like, no, no, no. It didn't have a name in the budget. Seriously, I was stingy because I was too worried with my budget that I, can, I couldn't help him out because I'm thinking, no, this is going to put us behind. One dollar? You're laughing, but some of you don't even give one dollar to anybody because you're too stick to your agenda. It's messing up your plans because you don't, even though you have the resource to help people, we're too focused to the plan and don't believe that God can take care of anything. It's not even your job that supplies. It's our God that takes care of us. He's the one that gave you your job, first of all, and he can take away your job. So give, always make sure you have an opportunity to have compassion um, where that. And the other part is when you have compassion, you will live an interrupted life. Too many of us are hashtag unbothered. Don't bother me. When you live a compassionate life, you live an interrupted life. This week alone, Pastor Andrew was with Nelson. They went to go, I think, pick up someone this week. And on the way to their destination, they saw a car accident. Easily, they had two options. Number one, we're running late. Someone else will catch the um, call, the cops for us. We have to get to our destination. Or number two, like they did, they had compassion. They stopped right there and they called 911. And too many times, we're too busy rushing to get to point A to B. When there's a disaster that you can help have compassion to other people. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the worst, especially with my kids. Like, I'm running to get to school, and I see a mom walking, and I have an extra spot in my car. I'm like, I really wish I could pick you up, but my kids have to be to school. They're two minutes late, and I don't want them to be on their attendance record. And I, you know what? Too many times, we're delayed to our destiny because we're too busy. We have no idea... If that same mom, if we took two seconds, two seconds to pour some life into that mom. I remember, we live in California. I literally was in the car. I saw a neighbor. I saw something. I just saw something. She was kind of crying. I'm like, babe, hold on. Let me check her out. And she just started pouring. She had a baby that was three months old and ended up having Down syndrome. And she had not told her whole family yet. And she just felt like, you know, She's feeling bad and Hubbard, and so I got to speak life. And I was on my way. I had two kids. I was actually pregnant with Claire, very sick. It was a hard pregnancy. But I felt compelled to stop. And you know what? This was about three years ago. 
guess what? I got an inbox last week from her and saying, you know, Chantal, thank you. For, I remember that moment that you stopped in your car and you spoke life to me. And now I'm so grateful for the gift that God gave my daughter. I'm not ashamed of her. I love her. And I want to say thank you for stopping to pour some life into her. So my question to you is, when is the last time you had a bowel movement? That you had the urge to do something? I really believe that daily God gives us opportunities. I know, we're getting TMI up in here, up in here. To give us a stool softener, a stimulant to help us release a blockage that we can make room for compassion. And one of the things, let me tell you, it's not even the big things. Let me tell you the small things. I'm, I'm confessing today. You know when you have the last piece of gum in the pack? <laughs> Saving it for the perfect opportunity. And of course, my lovely sons will come up, Mom, can I have a piece of gum? And I'm like, <sighs> and sometimes I say no. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I say no to them. Because I'm like, I want this gum. I want it. My nature is to be selfish. And if I can't even give a piece of gum, you think God's going to trust me for other things to bless other people? He's checking the small things in our lives, not the big things. It's the small things. And I always think my mom is so good. Like, you ask my mom anything, she's like, give anything. And I'm like, mom, how do you do that? Seriously. But I really believe that we have to practice it. It's not just something natural. We have to be intentional. Intentional living. Intentional giving to people. Intentional being compassionate to other people. And some people say, you know what? I don't have any money. I don't have anything. Well, God gives us three things. Time, talent, and treasure. Some seasons you have no money. I have no money some seasons. Trust me. Bro. (laughs) Been there, done that. Don't want to go back there again. But I have talent. I might be, some of you might be a carpenter. You know what? Someone needs a table. They can build a table in two seconds. Some of you have treasure. You have money. You can help. In this house, I, I'm a, we have a good house. People are really helping people. They hear a prayer request and people are answering the prayer requests. And time. Some of you are like, I have no job. Then you have time, honey. Time to help. Do not ask. If you are bored, let me tell you, you have other problems than getting a job. When you have time, you can, you know, visit people. You can help at the church. We always need help here um, if you need help. But don't ever underestimate um, your time, talent, and treasure that God can use. Really, he can. And so in the text, it says here that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. So he saw, and then he was moved. He had a battle movement. He was urged to do something. And then also, lastly, he knew his why. And here, here it says, because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. I was thinking, I don't get it. Harassed and helpless? Like, okay, what, what does that mean? And so when I started to research, in that time when they were being harassed and helpless, it wasn't like they were tired because they were following him at all. For them, it was mental. He was, the verse before said he was preaching the the kingdom of God, the gospel. He was healing diseases and affliction. Imagine, they were under the law, and they had scribes that were writing the law. They had Pharisees that were trying to keep them to stick to the law. And so imagine hearing Jesus 
pro, um, proclaim grace that you've never heard before. That's mind-boggling. So they were in their mind thinking, who is this man of God teaching us? So they were felt they were being harassed and helpless. And I'm going to read Ezekiel 34 to, to show exactly how, how things were in that time. And he's referring to the Old Testament, the shepherds, how the, how the shepherds were wicked. Let me read here. Uh, Ezekiel 34, it says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeling, feeding, them, your, feeding yourself, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the stray you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. That's how they were being treated by the shepherds. And they weren't used to having a, a God that was so kind, or a man like Jesus, to take care of them. Wow. And for us, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times, if we do not help those that are out um, in our communities or in our crowds, they're not only lost, but they turn to pray for the wild beast to get them, the enemy. And my third point is, compassion is the heartbeat of God's heart. God's heart. And to us, you know, when you have compassion, it reveals how Christ-centered your heart really is. It really does. And so... Um, I, know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those shepherds that who God has entrusted us with for those people. And later on, it says in Ezekiel who God is. And it says, I myself will be a shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them injustice. And you know what? Like, we have so many people in our communities that we need to help. It's not good enough to be curious. Most of us struggle. We're too full of ourselves. That's one of the heart of our issues. And number three is we need to check our heart. What is our heart revealing about us or what God's saying who we are? And sheep... A lot of times sheep, when they are gone astray, they have toppled over on their back. And if there's not a shepherd watching for them, they die within moments. And also, also they die within moments. And also they are opportunity for the coyotes, the dogs to pray to get them. And most times why they topple over is why, you know why? is either the, the, um, the sheep is either pregnant or it's so covered in feces that it topples over. Do you remember life before Christ when you were messed up, covered up in your crap? Let's keep it 100. When you didn't have a good shepherd like here, you were being harassed by your life, the enemy, knowing that you, wanted, you needed a good shepherd. I love in John 10, 14, he talks about the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He also says, there's a difference between the good shepherd and hired shepherd. 
The hired shepherd's not his shepherd. He's just a hireling. And when the wolves come, he runs and flees. Because he's scary. He lets them, the, uh, the sheep get scattered. But the good shepherd stays there. Just like David. He fights off the bears and the lions. And we serve the good shepherd. And I want to check our heart. Is What are we doing with our crowds? What are you doing with them? Are you letting the people, your coworkers, just be like, live their own life? Like, you know, you see them every week struggling? Or are you giving them hope? And I remembered one guy that I met at Hurricane Katrina. His name was Jim. Jim had a wife, had a son, had a dog. And Jim sent his son and his wife ahead of him to evacuate, to get away from the storm. And what ended up happening is, on the way of the evacuation, Jim's wife and son got in a car accident and passed away. And Jim was coming to where I was. I was at a distribution center, living in an RV off the Gulf Coast. No power for three months. Hair not done, let me tell you. Showering, in a, having bathroom in the porter potty for three months. That was, that was my life, three months living. And I was there able to serve, and he was like, all I want is a hot shower. And then he started to share with me because all I had left was my dog. And on my way here, a drunk driver ran over my dog. He lost his wife. He lost his son. He lost his dog. And he came because all I want is a shower. Can you give me a shower? And I was like, sure. Jim, come. Let's give you a shower. Let's give you a hot meal. Gave Jim a hot meal. Gave Jim a shower. After that was done, I can just see in Jim's eyes there was something more. More. A shower wasn't just enough. And then it was the perfect opportunity to share about Jesus. And too many times we focus on, yeah, it's good to be compassionate. Compassion is the beginning. Compassion will not save anybody. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves souls. Just not your good deeds. It's not good. I'm nice. It's not good enough. We have to put it on purpose. Our purpose is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so all that, I was able to, you know, able to set it up and say, you know what, Jim? I know a God. Because look what God did in my life. You know what's so crazy? Jim was about probably 45 years old. At the time, it was about, oh, I was about 20, 21 years old at the time. The gospel's irrespective of your age to share. Share your story. Tell your testimony. Don't be ashamed of what God has done in your life. And so... I challenge us, check your heart. Where is an opportunity every day in your life that you can show compassion, be moved? And if you're not being moved on a daily uh, basis, check where Christ is living in your heart. And some of us are like, you know what, we think of adoption. I think about adoption all the time and thinking, adoptions for those that can't have babies. Where do we get that idea? Adoption is for all of us, especially the Christians. The, and James says we should be the father to the fatherless. Have compassion. So when we see those commercials, it shouldn't be like, oh, someone will take care of them when they can't have a baby. No, no, no. We should have the opportunity to open up our hearts, open up our homes, and serve those that are less fortunate than us. Have compassion. Move on to help them. So I challenge you this week, as we get ready for corporate consecration, open your ears and your heart and your bowels the deep part of you check yourself am i getting moved or i'm just feeling numb am i just scrolling easily i had to check myself i was like scrolling you know what's so crazy all week 
every day, about four times a day, I was getting updates with um, the weather of Hurricane, uh, Hurricane Harvey. And I kept scrolling. And God was like, that's the very thing I want you to speak about. And you're scrolling past it. And don't you remember 12 years ago, I put you in the storm yourself? And so I continue to check yourself. Check your heart. Don't stay being curious. And watching, investigating. Unblock the constipation in your life. Have a bowel movement. Yep, TMI up in this house. And lastly, have the heartbeat, compassion of our God. Because he had compassion on you. He left the heaven to come to this earth. To deal. He bankrupted heaven. I'm a firm believer. If it was only you on this earth, he would have left. He would bankrupt heaven for the one. And in this church, we're there for the one. We believe the church the church will reach the masses, but we're there for the one that walks through the door. We will have compassion on the one that comes in that needs Christ, that needs loving. I want to be a part of a church, and I want to have the compassion in my heart that will change lives through our story, through service, and through compassion. So take a moment to pray. God, I just thank you for this moment, God. I pray that anyone here like me was convicted of my self-serving self, that I continue to look at myself of um, how I just need me, 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 but God, I pray that we change, that we keep looking out about them, our crowds, our children, our community, our coworkers, that we will be moved to change. So God, we love you. We thank you for you being compassionate, being the good shepherd to us, for guiding us, Lord. So Lord, I pray that this, as we go along this week, that we find the little opportunities, the packs of gum, to change lives, to be moved, to serve others, especially in our own home. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.